want to say uh, my name is Steve, if I haven't met you yet. And here at Grace Church, we desire that no one perish, but all people come to know Jesus Christ intimately via his indwelling spirit. Wasn't worship awesome this morning? And uh, when we're in his presence and we're connected to him and connected to one another, uh, it's the it's the fruit of the spirit. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Right? Nobody feels like punching anybody, typically, <laughs> during, during worship time. All right. Well, Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for everything that you're speaking to us and you're growing us up into the very image of your Son. Lord, I thank you that this room is filled with sons and daughters of God. And Lord, that it was your desire that you wouldn't be known as the only Son of God that uh, the world ever saw. But Lord, creation itself groans for the revealing of the sons of God. And so, Lord, we just take that responsibly. Lord, we accept that word and we accept everything you say about us, no matter how good it is. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to eat together this week. Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23, which will be our very first scripture this morning, so you'll know what it is. But we do invite you to sit with that and then send us your love letter uh, after you sit with the Lord and get His input on it. How many of you know more important than reading the Bible is sitting with the author? That's, that's what we want to do. We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus, some of the teachings of Jesus. He taught on truth and God is our Father. The Father's kingdom is accessible. Of course, he taught regeneration. You must be born again. Obedience from the heart. And then he taught and delivered to us the Holy Spirit. And so in getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit, here's what we've been looking at. Some of his governing functions. He is the anointing. He is the spirit of holiness. He is the spirit of adoption. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 2. And then he is the spirit of glory. And we've been looking at all these Uh, different governing functions. The Holy Spirit utilizes all these roles to mature you as sons and daughters of God. Where's where's the end goal of all the transformation and all of His work? Mature sonship. Mature sonship. That's where this is all headed. Uh, We were talking about last week that the glory of God is effectual and it's transformational for every one of us. The issue is not Uh, will we be transformed? If we'll behold the glory of the Lord, and I don't just mean like goosebumps and I had a feeling, I mean beholding the glory of the Lord, we will be changed. It's transformational and it's effectual. But okay, then Steve, why why doesn't everybody who's a Christian that walks with Christ look like Christ, manifest Christ every day? Because a lot of people behold Him and then they quit beholding. And what we need to keep, what we need to do is continue to behold the glory and the beauty of the Lord. Why do some people bear more fruit than others? The seed is the same. The soils are different. The receptivity is different. And some people, as I said, behold His beauty and His glory and they keep beholding. It is actually a discipline of theirs. It's a priority in their life that they're going to look unto Jesus. Other people beheld Him in 1985 and haven't looked back. So, so they look like the world because they're feeding on the world. You, you become like who you look at. Wherever your eyes are, that's what you're illumined with. Whoever you spend time with, that's who you become like. And 
I know most every one of you, and I know you want to be like Christ. If you want to be like Christ, then be with Christ. Make Him a priority. Make sitting in His presence and beholding His beauty and His glory on a regular daily basis, make that a priority. Because if you'll look at Him, gaze upon Him, you'll be transformed into His likeness. Amen, somebody? All right, so Matthew 6.22. Here's where I, I just said this a little bit differently a moment ago, but... Uh, whatever you're looking at is what you're illumined with. The lamp of the body is the eye, Jesus said. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So let's make a point to continue to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and not be you know, looking into the world all the time. Looking at the world, what the world's doing, or situations, distractions, all those things. I mentioned last week the distractions don't have to even be bad. Maybe your son, your, your daughter signed up for six different sports. How many of you know that'll keep you busy? And that'll keep you looking at sports and looking at distractions and doing all the things and running a million miles an hour. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But if you want to grow into mature sonship, you've got to behold the glory of the Lord. I mean, this has got to be a priority. And it, yeah, I mean, you've you got to look and then you've got to keep looking. Look and keep looking because the eye is the lamp of the body. You are what you eat. And I referenced this last week. Remember when they couldn't cast the uh, demon out? Jesus said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Well, fasting in its purest definition to me is the Lord saying to you, I want to cut off what you've been feeding on and I want you to feed on me. And he wasn't talking about that this kind of demon comes out with prayer and fasting. He was talking about this kind of unbelief comes out with prayer and fasting. And so, so the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Unbelief comes through the world. I mean, you just lock eyes with the world long enough, it, you'll, you'll struggle believing. You lock eyes in the natural long enough, natural thinking, carnality, uh, all the things that the world is, a lot of our politicians are what are called naturalists. It means that there is no supernatural realm. There is no spirit realm. I beg to differ. We are spirit beings. And everything that is natural and physical came. It originated from the unseen realm. God himself is spirit. So you can see why they would deny that realm. Ultimately, they deny God's existence. Now, they wouldn't come out and say that necessarily. But we're living proof of this dimension of the Spirit, and it is the greater reality. The unseen realm is the greater reality. Everything we see came from there. So the glory of God is effectual. It's transformational. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to, you know, we, we kind of camped on 17 and 18 where we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and we're transformed. That's kind of where we camp last week but man as i was sitting with the lord he took me back to verse 7 so let's go all the way back uh to verse 7 in second corinthians chapter 3 but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious what what covenant is he talking about there the old covenant the ten commandments if the ministry of death he called it the ministry of death why don't I just come up here and teach you law all the time? Why don't I teach you the Ten Commandments and tell you to get out there and make it happen? It's the ministry of death. There's no life in the Ten Commandments to give you unction to choose God's choices. 
The purpose of the law was simply to, to let you know how amazing and perfect God is and how you're not apart from Him. The consistency of God's character is revealed in the law. But what's also revealed in the law is the inconsistency of your character and mine apart from Him. Amen. And He calls it the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones. That was glorious though. And it was glorious because it revealed to us our need of Jesus. And amen for that. Amen for that. It it delivered us from self-righteousness. That we would never think we could earn our way or get behind the veil on our own merits. You know, I kind of ran it on that whole thing last week. But the one who took down the veil is the Lord. He did that, not you. You didn't get yourself behind the veil. He did that. The only one who could have satisfied his requirement for sin and then reconciliation with mankind, the only one that could have done it was him. And he did. He did it. So let's enter. Touch your neighbor and say, let's enter. All right. And it was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. And we have the spirit of glory in and upon us. Now this glory, the Old Testament, was passing away. So verse 8, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? What is he alluding to as this, quote, ministry of the Spirit? It's the new covenant. The old covenant is the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones. The ministry of the Spirit is the very law, nature, and Spirit of God and glory inside your heart the ministry of the spirit why do we say more important than reading the bible is sitting with the author he does not call the new covenant the ministry of the bible it's called the ministry of the spirit god wrote scripture not so you would figure it out on your own listen listen to me god wrote scripture so he could show it to you (laughs) And he does it by the Spirit. No one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And somehow we think that we're going to read this holy book and through human reasoning and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're going to rightly divide it. He wrote this so he could show it to you. The New Testament, the New Covenant is the ministry of the Spirit. Of life in Christ Jesus. I mean, he, He's alive on the inside of you. Listen to Him. I love Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to call in verse 9, the, the Old Testament, the, the ministry of condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. From the law of sin and death. What does that mean? He set you free from the the law of self-effort. You doing it on your own. You can't do it. You cannot be like God apart from God. That's what the law was to show you. To bring you to your knees. Close your mouth. Romans 3 says the law was given that every mouth would be closed. And the whole world held accountable to God. And that we would assess what? That we would assess I need Christ. 
And, and the beauty is he gave him. He gave him to you, paid the price on the cross to enter into you and put his life and spirit in you. Christ is your equipment to live a godly life. We don't read the Bible and try to imitate and copy something. We read Scripture and we run to the author and we receive the author and we get taught by the author and we come to know the author and then we become more and more like him because we're always sitting with him and beholding his beauty. Amen. The Word is a mirror to reveal spiritual things. Spiritual things. Jesus said in John six sixty three after He said... Um, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What are you feeding on? We'll go back to that little nugget. What are you feeding on? Are you feeding on the world? No, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. They, they didn't know what to do with that. And he said that around verse 56, something like that, John chapter 6. But verse 63, he clarified. He said, my words are spirit. They're not carnal. My words are spirit and they are divine life. All right, so verse 8. Get a hold of that. The ministry of the spirit is the new covenant. So we're people of the Spirit. We're born again by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We worship in Spirit. Mary conceived Christ, or sorry, the Holy Spirit conceived Christ inside Mary's womb. How? By the Spirit. Jesus was endued with power and went about doing good. How? By the Spirit. (laughs) Every church in America needs to be a church of the Holy Spirit. We can't even be taught without, apart from the Holy Spirit. Did I mention God wrote the scripture so he could teach it to you? (laughs) Not so you would just ascertain it on your own. All right. It was worth saying again. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Wow. The new covenant is the ministry of righteousness that's been gifted to you. You've been made right with God of no effort of your own. You just received it. Verse 10, for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. Wow, that is so powerful. And it's passing away. uh, What was passing away was glorious, but that which remains is much more glorious. We're in the glory that remains. The, the, the glory Moses had through the old covenant, that was passing away. And like I said, he either veiled his face because he was ashamed or embarrassed that it was fading, or, because I've heard that, or he veiled his face because people were uncomfortable. It scared people. And don't throw any rocks at Moses because we do that all the time. We veil the glory. We veil the glory. We're at work and they're telling dirty jokes. We don't say anything. We just veil the glory. Somebody's heart is broken. They're crushed. Their marriage is in trouble or whatever. We don't say anything. We're just veiling the glory. We don't want to do that. Amen. We've got the, the antidote to the world. They need the spirit of God. They need the truth of God in love. In love. Verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. There it is. So we're not like Moses. Unlike Moses who veiled his face so the children of Israel couldn't look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. 
because the veil is taken away in Christ and people don't come to Christ. They're continued locked into performance-based acceptance. Well, if I do the law, I'm okay. If I, don't, if I don't do right, I'm not okay. If I do good, I am good. If I do bad, I am bad. Man, I've been lifted out of that, thank God. I've been delivered from that. Does it still try to knock on my heart's door? Oh, yeah. It's ingrained in the flesh. The flesh wants credit. Credit either to feel sorry for ourselves or credit to elevate ourselves in self-righteousness. Amen. <laughs> the veil's taken away in Christ. Verse 15. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, look at this. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. and Where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there is sadness bondage grief no there's liberty you're made for the spirit of god human beings are made for god's divine spirit and then verse 18 but we all we all that's all of us with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the spirit of the lord wow So let me give you a little recap and then we'll move into what I want to share on. When we go back to the contrast that he's doing between the old covenant and the new covenant, the ministry, one of the, one of the covenants is the ministry of condemnation of, and law, but the ministry of righteousness actually provides life, not death. Christ's divine life. Romans 5.10 says you're actually saved by his life. Colossians 1.27, the mystery of the gospel is Christ inside you, the hope of glory. So the weakness of the creation was the weakness of the law. The law itself is good. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. We were the problem. We were never going to be able to, to exhibit any of those character traits of God apart from God. Christ overcomes our weakness because He's inside of us. The beauty of it is the law has been now written in your heart and on your mind. That's the first term of the New Testament, New Covenant, mentioned in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 through 13. The law of revealing death and separation from God was good because it showed that we, ne- we were dead and we needed life. We were just dead men walking. We were void of the life of God. Hence, Jesus said, you must be born again. As I mentioned, the law reveals the consistency of God's nature and the inconsistency of ours apart from Christ. But Christ is the fullness of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says that the glory of God has been revealed in the face of Jesus Christ and He didn't veil it. Amen? We beheld His glory full of grace and truth. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So in the same way as Christ, we do not veil our face. Well, what if people get mad at us? Well, they're not really mad at you. They're mad at Christ. So push on through it. Verse 10 Again, in the contrast, there is no power under righteousness through self-effort. And not only has Christ in me imputed righteousness uh, unto me, He's actually the equipment to live righteously. 
I am now a slave to righteousness. How many of you, when you commit a big piece of stupid, uh, you get convicted about it? Like you're like, I don't think so, John. That wasn't right. Yeah. Well, that means you're born again. If you can go out and sin and it's no big deal, then you need to get born again. Because we're, according to Romans 6.18, slaves of righteousness. We were slaves of sin, but now we're slaves of righteousness because the indwelling Christ. Let's talk about the veil. Let's make a decision. We won't veil our face. We're not going to hide what the Lord has done in our lives. Let's don't do that. Let's don't hide what the Lord is doing. And let's deliver Christ everywhere we go. It doesn't have to be fancy words. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible to be qualified. If, if you know Christ, then deliver Christ. And then all the way to verse 17 where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there is liberty. Guess what? There's liberty to be conformed to the image of Christ. There's liberty for you now to be the man of God you want to be. There's liberty for you. There's liberty for you to now be the woman of God you desire to be. Yep, nothing, nothing can stop it. You, you're in liberty now. You're on your way. You can live in the reality of the freedom you have from fleshly behaviors. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah. And His love is in you to choose His choices and prefer His preferences. So you're free. Free to do whatever you want? No. Free to do what you were created to do. And that's love Him and love your neighbor. Amen? And choose righteously. All right. I wanted to get to this. I heard Pastor Dwayne Sheriff talking about this. Uh, not long ago and i thought it was really really good let's look at verse 18 because there's some nuggets here on how we can be transformed how we can walk this out because we do want to be christ-like and all of creation groans for the revealing of the sons of god Uh, america needs to see jesus now more than they ever have in my 53 years the first one says but we all everybody say we all The first key to transformation is understanding that everybody can have a relationship with God. Every one of us can have the same relationship with God. We all have the same access. We can all grow and we can all mature. From the least to the greatest, from the most knowledgeable to the least knowledgeable, from the oldest to the youngest, we can all come to know the Lord. We all have the ability to prioritize Him or not. There's no mediator. You don't need a a hierarchy. You don't have to go to confession booth. You don't have to go through a priest unless you're talking about Jesus Christ, who is your high priest. And He's unveiled your face and given you the same access to the Father He has. And if you struggle accessing the Father, it's probably because you try to come on your own efforts. If you'll come because Christ got you there, then you'll worship Him, you'll thank Him, you'll fall in love with Him, and you'll go behind the veil. Amen? You can spend as much time, everybody in this room, everybody who's worshiping online with us today, can spend as much time in the presence of God as you want. We all. 
we all, all of us, can spend as much time in the presence and the glory of the Lord as we desire. All of us have access, not just leaders or the Pope or Franklin Graham. Can't say Billy anymore. He's, he's living the reality of it now. <laughs> he's, he's in the very glory of God. But the uh, third term of the new covenant contract, which is in Hebrews chapter 8 from verse 8 through 13, the third term is uh, God says this, all can know me from the least to the greatest. I'm doing away with hierarchy in the new covenant. You don't have to be born to a certain tribe. You don't have to, you know, be a, a priest of this order and this and that. You can all come from the least to the greatest. They can all know me. And I want you to really see this this morning, that every single one, of, not one of us is without excuse. Every one of us, because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of the eternal impact and the finality and the power of the blood, of what He really did, every one of us can spend as much time in God's presence as we want. And our problem is we don't choose Him. That's our problem. We, we give in to the distractions. We look at all the other stuff. Well, what about this? My mother-in-law said this about me. And uh, then, I, you know, and then I lost my job. And then, well, my boss, he said this about me. And, you know, I just can't climb out of the pit, I tell you. Well, let's, let's put our eyes on him. Let's go ahead and access the reality that every one of us can have with unveiled face access to the presence of God. We can all be held by his glory. Because that's what that word means. Uh, where it says beholding as in a mirror. It literally translated means to be held by. And that means sustained. Not passing by, oh, hey, Lord, peace out. What's up? <laughs> be held by. Stay stay with me a while. I love Dennis Jernigan's song. Some of you probably know it. Can I just sit with you a while? It's his song to the Lord. Can I just sit with you a while? I love that. Why do some people bear more fruit than other people? Because of the priority and what they're held by. We're all derivative beings. All equally, we derive from another. That's what branches do. We derive from another. So why do some people bear more fruit than others? Why do some be further, seem to be further along in Christ and walk by the Spirit more than others? What are you held by? What are you feeding on? What's the priority of your time? It's interesting, Don Wheeler and I were talking this week and he, he hearkened back many, many years ago when we were over at the uh, property on Westminster, we were hosting pastors conferences and we were, we had a bunch of uh, pastors that were there and he was just from a distance, he was watching me and he's having a conversation with the Lord and he's like, Lord, why is it that every time we do these meetings, Steve always has something to bring. He always wants to share something with all these pastors. Just how, you know, how can he help them in some way? And he's, he's looking at this and he had this thought, why don't we all have that mindset? Amen. And the Lord said, it's because they don't understand that there is no more hierarchy. They think Steve has something to bring because he's a, quote, pastor of a church. I'm telling you, I am behind that veil as naked, ugly as you, as anybody in this room. I have my own faults. I do. I got my pickup stuck in the mud this weekend. (laughs) I should have listened to the Holy Ghost. 
Yeah. That's another story. But (laughs) the bottom line is the Lord spoke to Don and he said, there's a lie that exists with my people that believe that certain ones are called and others are not. We're all called behind the veil. And we've all got the goods. Everybody in this room can deliver Christ to somebody. Amen. We all have an unveiled face. We're all priests in the kingdom of God. We can all have a great big heart for the Lord to give Him away everywhere we go. Does that make sense to you? And then Don asked me, Don's one of our elders here, he asked me to share this with you. Are you ready? Listen to me. He said, please tell him, Steve, that even if you do not value the ministry of Jesus Christ that the Lord Himself has placed inside you, He does. Even if you can't value the ministry that's in you through Christ, He very much values it. And repentance means what? To agree with God. So whatever it is that causes you not to deliver the ministry of Christ that He's given you, you need to get it out of the way. If you'll tap into the Spirit of glory, the Holy Spirit who's working the glory of God in and through us and transforming us, He'll show you things that the Father values. And the Father values what you carry. Everybody say, I'm gifted. Everybody say, I am called. You're gifted and you're called. The Lord has, when He came inside you, He brought gifts, He brought talents. I mean, there's, there's stuff in you. And even if you don't value it, He does. And just like we said the other day, when you go into Walmart or the grocery store or you go to lunch today or wherever you may be, you may not recognize the glory of God is inside of you, but I tell you who does. The devil does. The enemy absolutely knows who's on the inside of you. And that's why he messes with you and distracts you. All right, let's go to number two. So the first one is, we all, you need that revelation. Every one of us can access God and His presence. Number two is unveiled face. With unveiled face, as your husband, He unveiled your face. So go on in. Amen? Stop judging yourself unworthy of the presence of God. It was never, you were never going to get yourself there, ever. He's the one who had to deliver you there, and He did. So agree with Him. That's what faith is. Faith humbles yourself and says what God says is true. Humility says God knows more about me than I do. Because when I look in the mirror, I see my sin. Well, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, He says you ought to look in the mirror and see the glory of God. Now, which is it? And you probably, if you see the glory, you'd probably sin a lot less. God, help me. Help me. Because I still war with this. I'm 53 years old. I can still look in the mirror and see things I've done wrong. And you know what it does? It it, it doesn't empower me. It enslaves me. You think I've ever been told by the enemy I shouldn't even be up here? He tells me that all the time. And never once to build his case does he use what Christ has done. Every time he uses what I've done. One is spirit, one is carnal. One is life and alive and actual reality. One is temporary and death. 
I have never sinned by the Spirit of the Lord. Does that make sense? Walking by the Spirit, I've never sinned. The new creation, Steve, has never sinned. Has his flesh sinned? A bunch. Has his soulish man sinned? Yes. But never by the Spirit. That's why Paul said, if you walk by the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But guys, we have to dare to believe what God says about us. No matter how good it is. And I'm talking to myself. I wrote the book, The True You, because out of, out of my own heartbreak. Because I didn't think God could ever accept somebody like me. And the truth is, He couldn't accept me based on my merits. But He would accept me if I would accept His gift. If I would accept the gift of righteousness, the ministry of righteousness is what Paul calls it here in 2 Corinthians 3. And I accepted. I had to humble myself and accept that Christ made me adequate to go behind the veil. And he said, if you'll come and be with me and spend time with me, I will transform your character. I will make you more like me. But step one is, don't judge yourself unworthy. He has unveiled our face. No shame, no guilt. Come as you are. He knows you need help. That's why he sent you the helper. (laughs) Don't you love it when your kids sit around and say how terrible they are? You love that, right? Man, Dad, I'll never amount to anything. Dad, I'm no good. Dad, I'm a loser. Dad, you could never use somebody like me. Dad, don't ever entrust the family inheritance to me. I'm just a no good, you know, so-and-so or whatever. We hate that stuff. Well, your father doesn't like it either. Because everything that you are, he made you. I'm not talking about uh, what Adam gave you in the flesh. I'm talking about the glory of God. Glory as begotten sons have. That's what he gave you. And now you have a choice. You can either believe what you think and feel and believe about yourself, or you can believe what God says about you. And my Bible says that God deals in truth. God deals in the Spirit. Amen. Is that good stuff? God is the one who presented you to himself without spot or wrinkle. Who did the presenting? God did. God presented you to Himself. You didn't walk in there and present yourself to God and say, Here I am. Have you seen my track record? (laughs) Who did the presenting? He did. The only one who knew what was really required presented you to Himself by putting Christ in you. He took His well-pleasing Son and put Christ on the inside of you. And when He sees you, He sees His own DNA. It's one of the most loving things Jesus ever did for Father God is give him the ability once again to look at his his children, to look at you and me and see himself. Because after the fall, he couldn't see himself. But now by the Spirit, Spirit to Spirit, he sees us. All right, make sense? Number three, beholding not beheld in 1974. Beholding, (laughs) ongoing present tense. The eye is the lamp of the body. You got to look and keep looking. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay? People encounter encounter God's glory at church, walk out the door, and never behold Him again till they come back to church. That is no way to live. Everything that we introduce to you here that you can experience here, we want you experiencing on a daily basis. Because I'm telling you, God's not confined to this wood and brick building. You're the temple of God. He's in you. He's with you. 
So don't just behold his glory this morning. You know, we're singing uh, the, the blood being applied. We're, we're singing, thank you for the blood. We're singing, Abba, Father, you know, uh, your thoughts define me. You're inside me. We're encountering his presence, his manifestness. Man, we don't walk out of here and forget about him. We got to keep looking. And if we keep looking, we'll become more and more like him. It's a valid question when people say, how come Christians don't look very much like Christ in America? I think this is a big reason why. Because we beheld and we quit beholding. The difference is beholding, not beheld. Ongoing, present tense. Amen. All right, next one, as in a mirror. We're beholding as in a mirror. God's Word is a mirror. I mentioned this earlier, that His Word is spirit. And it's a mirror that shows you spiritual things. It shows you the things of God who Himself is spirit. This is a mirror to show you your true identity, that there's truth that exists beyond what you think, feel, and believe about yourself. Think about how we have to repent of elevating what we think, feel, and believe our, about ourselves. We, we elevate that like that's the real reality when no human being is defining reality. God defines reality. And now He invites you into His reality, glory, spirit, and truth. And how do we see it? Well, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. We see the real reality jesus told pilate in john 18 verse 36 through 38 during that interview he said one of the reasons i'm here is i bear witness to the truth the greek word is aletheia it means the real reality i'm here to bear witness to the truth and he said everyone who is of the truth can hear my voice and his words are what spirit we can hear via the spirit So the Word of God is a mirror. And I'm going to say this again. I said it earlier, but the Lord wrote the Bible so He could reveal it to you, not so you could just do this on your own and spend time trying to search out unsearchable things (laughs) in human reasoning. Does, Does the Bible say in the New Testament that there's love and there's peace that goes beyond human understanding? Does Paul use that term? Yes. So God wrote the scripture so that you wouldn't try to search out unsearchable things with your own mind, but rather submit your mind and your very self to the word of God as a mirror teaching you spiritual things. If you got a revelation, it's because the revealer revealed it to you. <laughs> Sherry gets a breakthrough. She comes, and this is happening. You know, she comes, and Sherry's given me high fives before. Man, guess what happened? If she got a revelation, who showed it to her? The Lord did. So when Paul said, what do we have that we did not receive? Is that a true statement? So those kind of revelations, they ought to humble you. We don't go around tooting our own horn. What do we have that we did not receive from the revealer? This is a mirror. He wants to show it to you. More important than reading this Bible. Don't re- you can do a Bible plan. You know, I'm, I'm reading a chapter a day because I'm going to read through the whole Bible in a year. And at the end of the year, half those people don't know anything more about God than when they started reading it. Because you've got to sit with the author. He wrote it so he could show it to you. Amen, somebody? Therefore, we have nothing that we have not received. 
And listen, once you see it, it's yours. You don't have to walk out of here and say, well, Brother Steve, he had this great revelation and he shared it with me. If you see it, it's because of him and it's yours. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, he might have utilized me because I, I opened Second Corinthians 3 and I put it on the screen and I shared a few things. But if you see it, it's by revelation from the revealer, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory, and it's yours. You don't have to go around and give me all the credit or whatever. Or somebody else, Joyce Meyer gave it to me or, you know, Bill Winston gave it to me or Kenneth Hagin gave it to me. If you see it for real, the Holy Spirit gave it to you. Amen. And once the revealer's involved, the spirit of glory, information becomes illumination, becomes revelation, becomes transformation. And we're growing from glory to glory. The essence of who God is is revealed in and through us. And that is the shooting match. There's a war going on, I'm not sure if you're aware, between God and the kingdom of darkness. And the war is whose nature will be on display. And I ask you, when you look around at our country, whose nature do we see? Do we see self-centeredness? Do we see ego? Do we see greed and pride? Do we see the end justifies the means? In other words, if you don't look like me, agree with me, then I have every right to take you out or throw something at you or cancel you or whatever. Or do we see love, unconditional, joy, peace, forgiveness that astounds the self-righteous? How could you forgive that person? You have every right to hate that person. You got rights, man. I can't believe they did that to you. Our forgiveness should astound the world. So there's a war going on over whose nature is going to be expressed. And I say, we've read the book, we know who wins. But I say, let's let the Lord have His way. Let's let the glory of the Lord be manifested in and through us because the mirror I keep looking into every day says we're all one in Christ. The mirror I look into says we're all the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, you don't know what Brian did. Well, I don't have to know what Brian did. I know what Jesus did. And I know that how I define him is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I'm going to go I'm going to take truth from God. Amen. The mirror I'm looking in each and every day says that we're loved by God despite our faults, that we're being matured and perfected in Christ. The mirror I'm looking in says we forgive just like Christ does. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's your choice to look at the world all day long or you can look at the Word of God as a mirror. And believe me, the enemy will give you plenty of opportunities and other options to to look at things. But remember, the eye is the lamp of the body. Last one, we can behold the glory. So let's summarize it. We all, number one, with unveiled face. Number two, behold as in a mirror. Three, the glory of the Lord. So, I love you. Stop beholding your past. And behold his glory. Stop beholding what Bill, and if your name's Bill, I apologize. 
Stop beholding what Bill did to you in 2005 and start beholding His glory because the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Amen? Amen. The glory is effectual. It's transformational. If that's you and you want to turn your heart more and more to the Lord, you want to be transformed, get in the Word that is a mirror and behold the glory. Start abiding. Abide in Christ. It means live, remain, and stay. That's what it means. I'm going to live, remain, and stay with Christ as my vine. He's my source. He's what I eat. He's what I behold with my eyes. Humble yourself. Open your heart to see your need of God. Hmm. Because He's preparing us to deliver Christ to those around us. He's preparing us to deliver Christ to those around us. Stephen, you guys, or Matt, come on, whoever it is. I'll leave you with this. We're making a covenant together not to veil our face. We're not going to veil the glory. Look at what Matthew 5, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works. And what? Glorify your Father in heaven. They don't have to even acknowledge you. Always check your motive. Are you doing it because, well, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to do it? Are you doing it for an attaboy? Are you doing it for the glory of man? Isaiah chapter 6. For the glory that God fills the temple, the train filled the temple. What did the Lord say? Who will go for me? That's what the Lord said. Who will go for me? He didn't say who will go because you got a 501c3. Who will go so you can write a book deal out of it? Who will go so you can brag about your church? Who will go so they can everybody think you're amazing? Who will go for me? So always have the Lord's perspective when you're witnessing and you're letting your light shine. Have His view of those people. It's not about you or me. It's about Him. Will you stand with me? I want to ask this morning... If you're here and you say, Brother Steve, I do not know Jesus Christ. I don't know Him. I don't think I have His divine life inside of me. I do not radiate Him. I don't radiate the glory of God, but I want to be born again. The old covenant has shown me that apart from God, I can do nothing. And I'm tired of living apart from God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Brother Steve, I want to be saved today. I want to be born again. I want to be delivered from who I used to be and be a new creation. Anyone. And if all that doesn't make sense to you, I apologize. But feel free to come and ask any one of us what I'm talking about. Basically, apart from the life of Christ, we're dead. I mean, we're alive, but we're dead. Who's here as a believer and a follower of Christ that's willing to say, you know what, not only am I not going to veil the glory of the Lord, 
but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take time. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to me about prioritizing how much time I'm spending with Him. Anybody here on board with me with that? Amen. Father, right now, I thank You this morning that our hearts, Lord, have been quickened. We have been cut to the quick, if you will. Lord, there are many distractions, and not all of them are bad. Not all of them are all bad habits, but it's just stuff. It's part of the natural life. But Lord, I know that our heart is to be like you, that when people see us, they can see you. That doesn't happen by osmosis. Lord, it happens because daily we make a decision to behold you and keep beholding. We love you, Lord, and we say it. And I'm sorry that our actions don't always, you know, line up to that. But I know in my heart of hearts it's true. Would you teach us how to love you? Would you teach us, Holy Spirit, how to be disciplined? Disciplined followers of Christ who want to look and keep on looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, so that we can deliver Christ. This isn't, this isn't, about, this isn't about us. But Lord, we have a heart for the harvest. We have a heart for those that don't know you. We're your laborers, Lord. There is no plan B. We are it. And so we deal soberly with our own selves this morning, Lord, to just receive everything you have for us and allow you to take our schedule. Lord, we just give our schedule to you and say, here, take this, Lord, rewrite it and give it back to me because I want to be led and directed by you, not by, not by my own reasoning. I thank you, Lord, for saving entire families. I believe it. I believe for people in this room, and I believe for names on this stage this morning, that word out of Acts 16, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your whole household will be saved. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for your word that is a mirror purpose to see you in it in jesus name everybody said amen amen Amen.